Talking Real Money. Welcome to Talking Real Money. Hi, everyone. Tom Cock here. Don McDonald with the week off again. And you out there trying to decide, what do I do with my money? There's all these things people are telling me and ideas and easy ways to make a quick buck. Well, we're here to try to fix that, help you with some advice that's a little more practical than making money quickly. Yeah, you know, that doesn't really work out. Well, it does oftentimes for the person selling you the idea, but not so much for you. So here's how all this works. We are here to answer your questions and calls. Those always are the top priority. And the telephone number for that is 855-935-8255, 855-935-8255. And because Don is out of town and he can't stop me, I'm going to give away some more of the Talking Real Money t-shirts. They're well-loved in many homes across western Washington and further away. So uh, call up, ask a question, get a shirt. You might even want to wear it when the sun is out, as it is now. But my question to you is, when you hear things like this, how do you feel? I know how I feel. I feel scared. But when people say things like this, risk appetite is off the charts. Now, when I think of appetite, I think of like eating chocolate or something else I probably shouldn't be doing. Risk appetite is off the charts. That's what an investment manager said Yesterday, after the S&P 500 went up another 1%, after the S&P 500 is up 20% so far this year, globally diversified portfolio up 12% so far this year. You moving money out of safer things like I-bonds. By the way, I-bonds last month, 99% fewer sales of I-bonds than just in January as the rates continue to come down. So that's what they're, ta- they're talking about. People are happy to take big risk. And is that a particularly good idea? Is it ever a good idea? Is it a good idea now? And the answer to that is probably not because we all suffer from this thing called recency bias, right? What's happened recently will continue to happen. The market has made 20%. And I say the market, the S&P 500, other parts, not as much. But the Standard & Poor's 500 has made 20%. Annualize that. We're looking at what? 38% for the year. Just that sounds good. Just check that box for me. But if you suffer from recency bias, you're going to face a lot of issues because we all tend to see patterns in things where they do not exist. So that's one problem. Number two is, as any investor, anyone, whether you're starting, I hate to say finishing, whether you're retired, wherever you are on the spectrum, you have an asset allocation. You have a ratio between the riskier things, right, like stocks, and the less risky things like bonds. That should be designed by your need for return and your ability to take risk, and in some cases, how long until you need the money. Those are the factors you need to consider. Too many of us believe investing is jumping on the hot bandwagon, finding the Kathy Wood-like manager and just saying, here's my money, you'll make more than the market. And that always brings me to the other one is like, why do you need to make more than the market? Equity markets have made a lot of money over Long periods of time, and in fact, now we can almost go back a 100 years and see many asset classes to really give you a definitive look at how things are performed. So you have an asset allocation that fits those things. It has nothing to do with interest rates, the soft landing in the economy, the upcoming presidential election, all of those other factors that are going to be there and will have an impact on the market or not. It just doesn't matter. And here's the other one. 
that I see, the risk, when risk appetite is off the charts. And that is, I don't need to be diversified because if I put it all in NVIDIA, I'm up 187% year to date, right? I just want that. There's no reason to own all these other thousands of equities. And here's one thing we know about individual equities. They are extremely risky. Companies go out of business eventually, right? And they usually do it in ways that we don't see coming. So stay diversified, know your asset allocation, and don't get caught up in recency bias. Our telephone number, 855-935-TALK, 855-935-8255, as we continue talking real money. to a really great financial future. Tom and Don are talking real money. Welcome to Talking Real Money. Our telephone number, 855-935-8255. Again, free uh, Talking Real Money shirt. If you call and ask us a question today, which we'd love, 855-935-8255. Now, in the studio with me today, um, so happy to introduce a guy that uh, retired, I'm using air quotes here, retired in 2012, to put together a foundation that has helped thousands, maybe tens or hundreds of thousands of people learn about investing, do better with their money, be educated. It's the Merriman Financial Education Foundation. And if you've never been to paulmerriman.com, you doggone should because there's great information there. And uh, friend, mentor, former business partner, continually educator, Paul Merriman joins us on Talking Real Money. Hi, Paul. Tom, it's great to... Oh. Great to be here. I think the, my mic may not be on. No, your mic is on. It is. Yes. Oh, I keep talking. We'll okay, tell you when I, to stop. <laughs> I I just want to say I don't. Would it be legal for me to say millions? I, I mean, think it would be. Well, let me tell you yeah, why. Right. We had one article or one podcast that has been opened by more than a million people. Wow! Wow! That's. I mean, that's the only one like that. And that uh, is sound investing, correct? That is sound investing. Our, our old yeah. show going yeah. way back. Way and by back. the way, that is a that is a podcast that I think is titled "The Number One Reason to Buy Index Funds," which is I'm not going to tell you. For <laughs> oh, you, I got to okay, dig it out okay. and listen. Now, come on, I, I will tell you <laughs> that if you're buying index funds, you're not working with the broker, so you're and saving you, money. You are headed in the right direction, and if you Start that early in your life. My belief is that you're going to make a whale of a lot more money than going the route of the commission. So, so I think that is the number one reason. Well, and that, I mean, if you look at the world today, I think it's something like one out of every two dollars invested in equity markets is in indexes. Now, when I found you, Back in the late 1980s, I think it was one out of every 20 or something. So the, yeah. the the shift has been on. Thank you for helping people understand that. But the question always is then, and by the way, our telephone number is 855-935-8255. How do I find the right ones? There are a lot of index funds and a lot of stuff out there. In fact, I got a list of the, what the 10 best best performing ETL. I asked you if you're in any of those. No, no, I'm not investing in those. Uh, how do people figure out which ones to buy? It's hard. Well, there's there. If you if you if you listed all the people who recommended index funds, by far the most commonly one common one would be either the S and P five hundred 
or the total market index. But be careful because there are S&P 500 indexes that charge as much as a half a percent, one percent. Crazy. I think one of them, it's 1.2 or something that Bridex, uh, we were talking about that. Yeah. And, and, right. uh, so, so you still got to be smart. That's a $50 a gallon gas. I mean, that's <laughs> like, why would you pay $50 a gallon yeah. when you get it for five, which still seems expensive? You got it. That's crazy. Okay. So I started off the program talking about risk appetite. And I apologize for doing that because you didn't get lunch and it's the middle of the day. So I maybe I shouldn't be mentioning appetite, <laughs> but I mean, when the market does what it's done and let's be honest. I mean, the Dow Jones Industrial Average, which is a crummy index, had like 13 straight days up. That was the most since 87. Then it took one day off, and then it turned around and went right back up dramatically on the next day. But it's been pretty straight up. As an investment advisor, does that make you nervous? Well, uh, I think uh, not as an advisor, uh, it, it makes me nervous because you, you know, there's the other side of the mountain. It's always there. It's a question of when, but the, but, but really, I'm cool. I'm cool about it because we're not supposed to be making judgments about the market on a short term basis. In fact, even a year means very little. If we looked, for example, at that S&P 500, and we looked at last year, which 2022, was, yes, crummy, not a good year, lost money. Okay, yeah. about half of the actively managed funds outperformed the S and P 500. This is where people are picking stocks or timing yeah. markets or figuring out what the future looks like. So, if you let that one year color your thinking, then yeah. you're going to say, "Oh, I better go with those actively managed funds." By the time we get out, fifteen to twenty years. About 6% of the actively managed funds are going to outperform the benchmark. And so you got to be a great picker. Yes. And it's the probabilities are really against you finding the fund that's going to be the great performer. But the probability of getting a great return with an index fund is as, as, as high as you can get almost. So you're saying tune out the recent news then. Don't pay attention to all that stuff. The, the recent news and the recent performance because, because people like you mentioned, they, they're excited about stuff mm. when, and they're going to go in when the market is up. All, all of the history of the market has been that way. And then the market does this thing that we don't know when it's going to happen, that it comes down. Oh, come on, tell us. Okay. Just, what about this fall? Because you got a big birthday in October. What's it, Maybe you're going to do something around that? I'm, I'm telling you, Tom, it could go down. Oh, good, good. I am not kidding you. <laughs> That's very helpful. Thank you. Can I be quoted? <laughs> yeah, it could Paul go Garman down. Thank you. It. it could go down. <laughs> okay, but this is still gets to the... All joking aside, we are seeing, and there's still a lot of cash on the island, but people are buying more equities today. I can tell you because I talk to them every day. They feel more comfortable. What I was really asking you is, should they be more comfortable after the market has gone up or after it's gone down? Well, they should be comfortable when the market is down if they're a buyer because when the market is down, you get to buy more shares than when the market is up. So this is one of the challenges of successful investing. So many things you need to do are counterintuitive. So people get excited to buy when it's up. They don't want to touch it when it's down because they see a, a bigger down coming just as they see a bigger up coming. 
And uh, this is the beauty of dollar cost averaging. Ignore whether it's up or down. Just do it. And this is one of the reasons I like, and I think there was a piece recently somewhere saying don't invest in your 401k. Uh, I love the idea that the money simply comes out of your check every two weeks. It goes in. You don't have to. There's no check to be written by you. There's nothing that you have to do. It's simply gone. It's it's enforced savings and investing. Um, and we both know that discipline is really one of the great keys to all this, right, is to ignore all the things going on, keep investing and not pay attention to, to all the other factors. And those people that invest in target date funds on a regular basis, particularly, I think, with index fund-based target date funds, yeah, they have an expected return, according to a study by Wharton and Vanguard, they looked at 1.2 million accounts in 401k plans. Mm -hmm. Those people that just simply put their money in the target date fund every month, no timing, 2.3% a year better expected return wow. than the people who were doing what they, it, it felt good. They but, were buying and selling things. They were going into particular parts of the market. They were sitting in cash because they waiting. thought they were well, going to be able to get it cheaper. And then when it does go down, they're afraid it's going to go down more. Discipline, you mentioned discipline. Yeah. It is about discipline. Okay, when we come back, let's talk a little bit more about target date funds because they become so big. And you actually recommend sometimes target date funds plus one more fund. We'll talk about that a little bit. And your questions and calls, 855-935-8255. We'll be right back talking real money. Tom and Don are talking your real life and real future, Tom and Don are talking real money. Welcome back to Talking Real Money. Love to hear from you. 855-935-8255. That's our telephone number, 855-935-TALK. And the great Paul Merriman will take your questions, comments, and criticism as well. He's very good at taking criticism as a guy I used to work with. No, I never took any criticism from me, but he didn't need to. I never, uh, so anyway, call us free t-shirt from uh, talking real money is yours as well. Talking, uh, talking target date funds. Now target date fund. The idea here is you give the money to somebody and tell them I'm leaving my occupation in 25 years, whatever it is. I'm going to stop having income. So they manage that money then according to what they believe. Uh, how much in stocks and how much in bonds is appropriate for wherever you are in your life. There's, we could argue about whether that makes sense or not, but okay. But what you're saying is people that use those end up with more money. And I think that makes sense because they don't have to think about anything. The money just goes in there. It's there. But you've actually recommended target date funds plus another fund. Tell us about that. Well, the, the weakness, if, if we want to call it a weakness with a target date fund is it is focused all on large cap companies, whether it's U.S. or international. Now, they may say they have a little piece of uh, small cap uh, stocks in the portfolio, but it's so little that it that it might as well just be more large cap companies there. So what we recommend is with one fund that would be small. Small companies. And value companies. Okay. Yep. Small cap value. They're, they have tracked small cap value stocks back to 1928. Wow. And they make more than 3% more 
over that whole period of time than the S&P 500. So what we've, and we show a table, by the way, uh, that I could send you a link if you want to put it in the show notes. But the, the table shows what happens if you just added 10% small cap value. What it would do more than likely over a lifetime is add about 20% to what you would have to spend. So it's a big and, deal. Yeah, I think it's a big deal. And, and does that mean you might retire earlier? It could be. And do you have to rebalance that every year then? No, just let it go. Okay. Just it's let it go. go. Harry and crazy. It's a, it's a small part of the portfolio. Right. It means you got nine, nine cents coming out of your, yep. of your dollar and going into the target date fund and one cent for every dollar going into the small yeah. cap okay. value. And, and the, the the employer plan has to have that available too. That's yeah. another thing. Some and do and some they, don't. If they don't, maybe you have to do it in a in an IRA. A Roth. Be nice. So if it's a Roth. okay. So you would have the target date fund in the employer sponsored plan, which basically everybody has. And then outside of that, you'd yeah. be contributing to an IRA or a Roth IRA. Yeah. Putting the money there, letting it grow. This is where people it gets a little like, well, wait, this that portfolio went up, that one went down. What's going on here? It's it's harder to manage it that way. You know, you got to be able to look to the long term. I think about, by the way, what is the long term at eighty well, years old? By the way, uh, <laughs> just asking. Well, I can how look, many days are I we talking about? I can look back. I made an investment in nineteen eighty three. Yes, you and did. I sat Worked and I well. waited and I waited yeah. and I waited and I waited for 30 years. Did you get your money back yet or what's going on there? <laughs> to get my money back, yeah. No, I, that is the nature of investing. It's a good people, point. People who but we're think, impatient. I, that's the problem. And uh, well, this hasn't worked for me. We'll take a question here in a minute. This yeah. hasn't worked for me lately. What's going on here? Well, yeah. lately, what is lately, right? Yeah. I mean, this is always the problem. And what I love about your work is, as you just said, I look back to the 1920s in some cases and say, yeah, but over the long haul, this is so. But how do people how do they deal with that? That's hard. Well, I think what they have to do is get an education and and actually understand how markets work. So their expectations are right. If you have the right expectations, when bad things happen, which they do, they will they always have. Yep. Mm-hmm. When they happen, you say, "Oh yeah, well that's the way it's supposed to be." I don't want it to be that yep. way. I mean, I think of growing up as a kid. I didn't want all those spankings, you know. <laughs> well, actually, having known you now for thirty-five years, you might have had it coming. But I'm just putting that out there. Eight five five nine three five eighty two fifty five. Eight five five nine three five. Talk. We'll continue with Paul and with you here talking real money. Tom and Don are talking real money. Reality radio for a really great future. We're talking real money. Hey, thanks for being part of our program, Talking Real Money. We are live every Saturday afternoon from noon to two. And then as a podcast. Basically every day, even while Don's on vacation, he's been patching these things together from uh, exotic places like Reykjavik, Iceland, and others. So he's still doing it on the road. Just did his new one on Friday, questions and answers. So take advantage of the Talking Real Money podcast available on all those podcast services. 
Our guest in-house today, kind enough to leave his island and uh, drive all the way to Bellevue, is Paul Merriman. Paul, thanks for being there. And you are on the telephones at 855-935-8255. Let's go to Dan, who now joins us. Hi, Dan. Hi, how you doing? Doing great. Thanks hey, for calling. How can we help you? Yeah, I listen to you all the time. I really appreciate the great advice you guys give. I listen to the podcast almost every day. I'm calling on behalf of my son. He's 34 years old. He's got $24,000 in retirement. We set it up a while back, and and I did not get him into the right vehicle. Um, I got him into a mutual fund, but I didn't know as much as I know now. And I think one of the reasons we got into it was it was low cost to get in and low cost to make a regular contribution. This was about 20 years ago. Um, so anyways, he's in this fund, and I want to get him into just an index fund. So he's got this $24,000, and it's in a traditional. It's not in a Roth, but I'd like to get it into a Roth. Now, I, I talked to him about it. I said, look, if you just do this now and you start you know, on your path, $250 a month, $300 a month, whatever you can afford, you're going to be all right. But here's the question. Do we keep the $24,000, move it into a Fidelity index fund or a Vanguard index fund and just let it ride as a traditional and then somewhere else or another Vanguard fund or another Fidelity fund, you know, put a hundred bucks in and just start putting the 250 or $300 a month into that um, and, and do it that way. I've heard you before mention that sometimes it's okay to have a traditional and a Roth. Ah, yes. So, so, cause we're conflating here a bit. We're talking about the types of funds and the types of accounts. Do I think somebody at 34 should have a, a traditional, you know, pre-tax IRA and a Roth? Absolutely. In fact, there's some people in this business who would tell you, get it all in Roth. And I think that's where we were headed. Should we just move it to Roth? I would just leave it in traditional and I'll welcome Paul's answer on this as well. But then, yes, I would invest it properly. I would use a fund like the Avantis Global Equity Fund, AVGE, or the Vanguard Total Market Fund, VT, either of those. Then, after that, Dan, I would, uh, your son should open a Roth IRA. What is his, is he married or single, and what is his income? He's single, and I would guess about $55,000 okay. a year. So he is Roth, yeah, he's Roth eligible. So in other words, he can do this right from his bank account into a Roth. And I think, as we mentioned a couple right. minutes ago, a disciplined approach. It comes out every two weeks, every month, whatever it is, goes in there. Yes, he should start putting money away in that Roth. Does he have a a uh, employer-sponsored plan at work? Um, he's a teacher, so he's, yeah, he's, they'll a, have he's a, going to get his retirement from them. But the choices aren't very good. So I think we'd rather do it on our own. So I guess what I'm thinking is that I, I hate to see us kill the momentum. You know, here we go. You already made the 24000 That's great. But now we're going to stop that. And you got to start over again from the 100 or 200 or wherever we start. So are we killing the momentum of, of not looking into making a conversion? Or will that be too expensive tax-wise? So, so Dan, let me ask about the the position uh, that he's got now in terms of uh, holdings. Is he all in equities? Yes. Mm-hmm. Okay. Yeah. And, he has and a what, Hodges fund. Mm-hmm. Okay. So, so I would feel uh, I have a different feeling about the Roth. Uh, I started in this business when income tax rates 
for the first, I mean, at the highest level, they would take, they would take 90% of your, of your income over what, over that amount. Then the next year it went down to 70%. (laughs) So we don't know what this young man is going to have to face in terms of tax rates. And, and so I am, particularly since he's not in a high tax bracket, I think the costs of converting the money he's got in there now into a Roth will will be minor, and it will mean, in essence, that he has invested more uh, for the long run because he's got this huge tax break coming if he does that. I would get it in one account and, and, and just put the money into that. Now, I would probably recommend a little different than what Tom has recommended. I happen to like a combination of AVUV and AVUS. Same fund family as what Tom just mentioned, but uh, a different diversification. Thank you for your call, Dan. 855-935-TALK. We continue. Do you suffer from hodgepodgeitis? I'm Don McDonald, and hodgepodgeitis is a disease of your investment portfolio whose symptoms include lots of stocks, loads of random loaded mutual funds, and maybe an annuity or two. Most who suffer from hodgepodgeitis dread opening their quarterly portfolio statements. They feel lost and confused. Investing seems overwhelming and the financial future uncertain. If you believe you suffer from hodgepodgeitis, see a 100% fiduciary investment advisor immediately. A proper diagnosis is the first step to creating a portfolio with a purpose based on a personal plan. Start on the road to recovery now by scheduling a free meeting with an Appella advisor at TalkingRealMoney.com. There is no cost, obligation, or high-pressure sales pitch. Take the first step at TalkingRealMoney.com or call 800-386-3004. Hodgepodgeitis is not a real disease, but treating it has been shown to improve mood, reduce fear, and even lead to a brighter financial future. Results may vary. Your guides to a really great financial future. Tom and Don are talking real money. Thank you for being part of Talking Real Money. We're here every week to answer your questions, try to give you some guidance, and uh, you can get personal by calling us, 855-935-8255, 855-935-TALK, giving you a free Talking Real Money shirt if you give us a call with a question. Joined in the studio today by our friend, colleague, and just doggone great educator, Paul Merriman. Now, did you come... Because you wanted to be part of my wife's birthday party? That's tomorrow. <laughs> well, you know something? My daughter is coming home. Oh, well, there's to, a reason to come home. This afternoon. So, by golly, I, I'm going to have to take a pass. Okay. Well, she'll be disappointed, but I'll have more crab to myself. So, that's a <laughs> no-brainer. Thank you, Tom. That's, that's I, I wasn't nice. inviting you, actually. Ah, <laughs> uh, let's go back to the telephone <laughs> right now. Tammy joins us here on Talking Real Money. Hi, Tammy. Hi, thank you for taking my call. Um, I have a question for you. Um, just a little backstory. I'm in my mid to late fifties. I retired on disability about twelve years ago. So all I get is a disability. Um, but the Atlanta Braves recently put out um that you could buy shares for around fifty dollars a share. My question is well, I guess two questions. One, what do you think about that? And two, um, if I wanted to buy shares in that, what would be the best way to go about doing that? I mean, that would that 
a strikeout or a home run. I mean, I I'm that bad baseball analogy. I I wouldn't touch that with uh, with Ken McGriff's bat. That's another bad Braves. Now, that I don't know. I'd have to look that up, honestly, Tammy. But that's not the kind of thing that I would recommend. That's not diversified. It's privately held in some way. I don't even know that there. I think there is a soccer team you can. It's publicly traded. You could invest in, but I don't believe in those kind of things. They're just way too risky for my blood. If you had money, any amount of money, I would still be saying. Get diversified, keep your costs low, and have it fit your need for return within your risk tolerance. But, Paul, are you a big investor in baseball teams? Do you spend uh, a lot of time? No. Oh, good. Well, Soccer, it, then, instead. What what you are going to expose yourself to, regardless of the success of the team itself, just the, the natural volatility of the market, you are going to expose yourself to, at some point along the way, a likely decline of 50%. Uh, and, and, and so the question will be, how will, how will you respond to that? Will you, do you need this money, if, uh, in the next five, ten years? What do you think? Well, I, most, I don't know, most likely. I just, it was just something that I'd heard and I didn't know whether it would be a good investment or not. I'm really naive about these things and I really, have no experience in it at all. That's why I wanted to kind of ask, ask your opinion. What they say is all the experts don't invest in something that you don't understand. That's what they tell us. And, and on top of that, what they would suggest that you do is invest like a multimillionaire. And that's why people go into mutual funds where they can be diversified with a thousand dollars, they'll have as much diversification as the person who has a million dollars. It will just be with a smaller amount of money. That's the kind of thing that you would probably get as a recommendation from people who aren't trying to sell you something. But, uh, I, I understand okay. why Tom doesn't want to recommend it. I don't want to recommend it because the odds are you're, you're not going to, you're not going to be happy. Now, if it's one share or two shares and you're going to do this just to be part of the, of the team, that's a whole different thing. I mean, people. Yeah. Okay. I can see that. I did look it up and it is relatively new. This is a new offering from Liberty Media, which is the parent company of the Braves. This is something that just started a few weeks ago. That's another reason that I wouldn't touch it. I don't believe in initial public offerings or early offerings and the people that run very well-established fund families don't either. They wait a long time to see if these things are going to pan out. So this would not be a way to go. Paul is absolutely correct. Whatever money you have would be globally diversified, low cost in a very diversified portfolio, not in one particular uh, equity. Wish you well, Tammy. Thank you for your call. 855-935 is our number. Oh, 935-8255. Probably want those last four digits. 855-935-8255. And let's Let's go back to the phones. Jack joins us here on Talking Real Money. Hi, Jack. Hey, Tom. Hey, Paul. Um, hey, Jack. I, uh, I guess, discovered your show uh, in the last year, and I've kind of started my financial education. And, um, and some of that was brought on by uh, my unplanned retirement and also inheriting some assets, assets for my late parents. So, uh, 
I definitely have a hodgepodge now spread across a bunch of different brokerages as a result of that. And so I've heard the advice to simplify uh, just to, for peace of mind. But uh, is there a downside to to having all of one's investments in a uh, in a single brokerage? And is there uh, perhaps some limit? You know, a million, five million, a hundred million. No, um, there. No, I mean, no, I'm okay. Just curious about yeah. that. Let's step back. I mean, you say brokerage, first of all. So if you went to Charles Schwab, I think Charles Schwab has $9 trillion or something like that. Charles Schwab has insurance on accounts beyond the SIPC up to millions of dollars. Charles Schwab spends, the last time they were here talking to us, they spend like $70 million a year trying to hack their own system. So security is pretty good. And let's just assume, for example, that Schwab, and remember there was some discussion this spring when they got caught up in kind of the bank debacle when people were taking a lot of money out. Well, what if Schwab goes up? under that really would not impact you other than that, that you would still hold the securities that you held you might hold them in a different way so i think you can pretty much take that off the table with a major custodian not if you go to a smaller one then things do look different so that's one then it sounds like the other question may be well wait what if i just put it all in one fund or two funds again remembering that one fund vt holds nine thousand stocks so even if something happened to vanguard which i think is again the likelihood is very, very, very small, you still would hold all those equities. So I am trusting of both the brokerage and larger funds. Paul? Well, and uh, on the, for example, in Vanguard, they don't have any claim to your shares. Those shares are held uh, by a custodian. And so even if Vanguard themselves had a problem, your shares are your shares. The problem becomes when you get your, your, your shares tied up in something that goes on and you don't get immediate liquidity. But that's, that's, is not going to happen at a Vanguard or, or a Schwab. Now, having said that, nobody can guarantee no, the future. Can't. Nobody nope. knows nothing. About no, that's John Bogleism but, there. Yeah. No, I think that's, that's legitimate, but that wouldn't be something I'd be worrying about. No, I'll put it that way. Which, okay, what, you, so, what you should, uh, what, this, Go ahead. Sorry, well, you go could... ahead. No, go ahead, Jack. Um, so, yeah, the simplification. Uh, okay, so there isn't a, a reason not to just winnow things down. And um, I mean, I understand about maintaining the diversification, but as far as simplifying the brokerages, um, uh, the, the question then becomes which brokerage to go with. You know, at my and, favorite uh, is Charles so Schwab for a variety of reasons. We've got to run. We'll be back with more here talking real money. Tom and Don are talking real money. For your real life and real future, Tom and Don are talking real money. Ah, the show today's had questions about investing for a son. What about the Atlanta Braves? And how to clean up your portfolio. If you want some personal advice, though, it's easy. Go to TalkingRealMoney.com. TalkingRealMoney.com. Click on Meet an Advisor. We are here to help you get money, finances, all those things straight. TalkingRealMoney.com. Click on Meet an Advisor. 
hope you realize that the information provided on Talking Real Money is for informational, educational, and hopefully enjoyable purposes only. Providing personalized financial planning or investing advice takes time. So please consult with a really good fee-only fiduciary investment tax or legal advisor. We know a good one. Investing must always involve risk. In other words, you can and probably will lose money at times. Also, as much as you want it, no one can accurately and consistently predict the future. So past performance doesn't tell you a darn thing about what the future will bring. Unlike many other programs that say something similar, Talking Real Money is not trying to get you to buy or sell any financial products or securities. Instead, the program is provided as a public service by Appella Capital, a fee-only registered investment advisor. Thanks for listening, and please visit TalkingRealMoney.com for more information and disclosures. Are we done now?